Okay, guys, welcome back to the best podcast on the planet, the Dubs Only Podcast here with the boys. I'm Nevin. I'm Noah. We're back again, No Hunter, this week. Um, we got a little different podcast going on. Obviously, we haven't been on in a week. Coronavirus is still going on, guys. Minimal sports things. But the NFL draft was last Thursday, which is really cool. Uh, actually, I thought it went pretty well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was cool to be able to see, like, people in their houses, like, real-life reactions with their families and as well as, like, coaches and members of organizations, like, in their home. I thought it was kind of a cool touch to it, though. Like, honestly. I like, and I also like how there's, like, coaches, like, in the most crazy spots. Like, Jerry Jones of the GM, he's on his, like, yacht, his $250 million Yeah, yacht. no, I mean, I thought it made it more, like, personable um, compared to, like, just having everyone in their suits, like, in one building. I thought yeah. it was a different look. I don't think they probably will continue doing that in the future or anything. No, 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 But no, I no. do think it was cool. I do think, though, like, which is interesting about this the virtual draft was that they put a lot on Goodell's shoulders like a lot like he was in a, he was doing the openings he, like going to commercial like Trey Wingo was kind of in the background but he was getting asked all the questions he was doing like was staying together at home doing these huge monologues kind of like he was like a host for the Oscars or something right like no, that. exactly yeah. and it was like I've never seen Goodell do something and at some points, I thought he was a little iffy, but I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, no, I did too. So, um, so yeah, pretty much based on that, we're just going to go over our winners and losers of the draft, of the yeah. draft, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the third and fourth part of the Michael Jordan documentary that came out last night on ESPN. Yeah, so we're going to do probably one a week for here on out because it might be a little bit longer than our usual podcast, but we just want to have like the freshest takes on the Jordan doc, and we don't want to wait a couple days afterwards, like put it on Tuesday. So we want to do it every Monday for you guys. Um, but yeah, we'll start off with the NFL draft. We both have three winners and two losers. So I'll just let you go first with your first winner. All right. So my first winner uh, is actually the Indianapolis Colts. And I kind of did this, I mean, based off obviously their draft picks, but also some of the acquisitions they made this offseason. I thought yeah. it gave them like an A grade, according to me. Um, yeah. Over the offseason. Mostly so draft, first, but a little offseason. Yeah, so I mean, first off, in free agency, they got Xavier Rhodes and Phillip Rivers. Xavier Rhodes has been shit, dude. I, yeah, but I mean, I think there's a chance he could end up playing better. Let me keep going with this. Okay. And then Phillip Rivers, I mean, obviously is well past his prime, but I do think he might be a little bit little great over like Jacoby Brissett or some of these other guys they've had. You okay. Know? Um, and then, you know, going to the draft, they actually traded their first-round pick for DeForest Buckner, Just, who has proven he's a stud. I mean, on yeah. San Francisco last year, um, you know, a game-changer on defense, I think, and it can't really get much better than, like, a first-round pick, short-fire well, guy that, like that's that. That's the thing. I like how you said that because a lot of these guys, everyone's in the first round was like, oh, my God, he's going to be an absolute monster in the NFL. Yeah, but you don't in know. In four years, I would say at least 40% of the guys drafting the first round will not be in the league anymore. So if you know you're getting an all-pro guy like DeForest exactly. Buckner, that's a hell of a draft pick. Uh, then next, they went with Michael Pittman Jr., which I thought was a good pick. I yeah. thought he was probably my third or fourth. I mean, top five that's, for sure, that's wide receiver. This high, He's top five, maybe five. Uh, solid wide receiver. I think he will be you know, pretty decent with Indianapolis, and I think Phillip Rivers will look for him as like one of his key targets. He reminds me of Keenan Allen, big guy like that. So that's, I guess, pretty good um, for him. You know, then next they got Jonathan Taylor, who I always thought was a stud at Wisconsin. That is the pick that is – that one for me was the big one for them because Marlon Mack's a good running back, but they need – a lot of times in the NFL now you need like a two-man run game. A lot of good teams are doing that. And 
I love Jonathan Taylor, man. Goal line guy. He's great on the goal line. He's yeah. a three down back. He has good has hands. Has breakaway speed, Breakaway too, speed, which is yeah, crazy for a guy that big. Um, and then lastly, I went with Julian Blackman, who is a safety from Utah. I mean, Utah, I think, definitely was a top three defense in the country this year. Mm-hmm. Um he wasn't as good as his teammate Jalen Johnson, who also got drafted, I think, in the second round. But he's a yeah, safety. Yeah, he was really. Jalen Mul- Johnson's really. Yeah, good. multi-positional skills for Julian Blackman, though. I could see him being, you know, a starter pretty early at safety, or maybe even moving to corner or something with Indianapolis. Yeah. So that's my first one. So I have for my first winner is the Miami Dolphins. Um, if people don't remember correctly, last year they were losing every game for Tank for Tua. They end up winning a few games at the end of the season. And basically screwed over their biggest rival ever, the Patriots, so that Patriots didn't get home field advantage, and they lost to Tennessee in Tennessee. And then they still end up getting Tua at the fifth pick. And they wanted Tua all along. Uh, Obviously, their quarterback position is, like, up in the open. Tua, so you have two cases for Tua. Sometimes, like, he might be super brittle and might not make it in the NFL. But if he is actually as, like, healthy as they say he is, then that's one of the best pickups I can think of. Because I think he is... And he's better pedigree than Joe Burrow. He had all the seasons at Alabama. He was great. Um, he has a cannon for an arm. He's very mobile. He reads the field great, like, amazingly. And to get him at five is an awesome pick. The second pick they got was the Austin Jackson from USC. Given an offensive tackle in Miami. Uh, right first, surefire starter comes in, starts right away. It's going to help protect Tua, which you're going to need because we really don't know what the injuries. And they got the uh, slot cornerback. From Auburn, Noah, his his last name's a trip. Is it Igbonahe, I think it is? But they also picked up two big-time uh, free agent corners in the offseason. So to have a slot corner along with the two big guys on the outside, two big money guys, Byron Jones and uh, Xavier, I forget his other name, but really good corners. So I think they did a great job. Um, that's why I have Miami at number one. Who do you have at number two? Uh, I want to go off or talk about Miami oh, for a little here bit. here we go, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Tua pick's great. I mean, I think it's a common sense one. But I was hearing that the Dolphins made like a godfather type offer, like an offer you cannot turn down to Cincinnati to try to take Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can't if you're Cincinnati. But the thing I th- you know, I know the Dolphins had their, you know, trainers and medical people look at him. And I think it says something that they were willing to give away. Like they don't, ha- it's not disclosed yet, but I guess it was some offer that like is impossible to turn down. Because you know the Dolphins had like a massive draft haul this year. Yeah, three guys in the first round. Um, it's, yeah. I think, I think there's a little reason to be worried about Tua's health. I do think if he is healthy, he's like a Russell Wilson type dude. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think he's like got the top same five quarterback. Of, like, Russell Wilson's top five quarterback. I think that's possible. And two, it can be that way. And, which I like about it, for me it was a two-quarterback draft class, and we'll get on to more quarterbacks later on in the podcast. But if you can't get Joe Burrow, I think Tua has about ten times more upside than Justin Herbert. Or Joe Burrow, I think, personally. Like, I mean, I, I think he has more upside than Joe Yeah, Burrow. he does. But, yeah. like, Joe Burrow right now, like, if you're it's Cincinnati. It's a more surefire pick, yeah, for sure. If you're sure. Cincinnati, your number one pick. You need a quarterback so bad, and you've screwed this up. Like, no one really cares about Cincinnati Bengals. Like, no, they're never. But now they're going to be on some te- national televised games because Joe Furrow's the number one pick. Exactly. So that's why I had them at number one. But so my second one, I actually went with Nevin's team, the Denver Broncos, which is okay. So you go on yours, and then I'll talk about Denver afterwards. The reason 
I went with the Broncos. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at, you know, off-season acquisitions as well as, like, their first two or three round draft picks. Yeah. Because I feel like four through, you know, whatever. It's a, a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, nobody really knows what they're getting necessarily. Yeah. But obviously, you know, they had a big off-season off getting, you know, A.J. Bouye, uh, Jarrell Casey, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's a big uh, one for us. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all three of those guys are starters day one. Especially because we lost Chris Harris. You need to fill that. So yeah, Bouye and Bouye, I mean, with the Jaguars a couple years ago, was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, and then obviously their big pick, Jerry Judy, who I think in oh, a very yeah. wide receiver-rich draft – he was the best out of all of them, yeah. you know, which is all that really needs to be said. They also got K.J. Hamler, wide receiver from Penn State, who I've also heard could be like a day one starter. No, he is oh, yeah. like slot guy. He's 5'8", but runs a 4'3", or something like that. Yeah, like no. He is super quick, big-time player. So I think, you know, you look at a team who's got four or five new starters now they've picked up, and if Drew Locke can be even decent, I think yeah. they can be a good team. I think it completely relies on Drew Locke for the most part. Yeah. Um, the but they got is, some players. They got some, well, I love the Broncos' first couple rounds because we needed weapons because last year we didn't. After trading Sanders, our only guy to go to was Corden Sutton, and he's going to be a player of the future, big guy, big-time receiver. But now you have three good receivers that all play different positions. And Sutton could arguably end up being the worst out of three and you know, in the near future. Because I mean, Judy is like... He's not Julio Jones, I'm not saying that, but he has the route running like Julio Jones does, where he can run any route in the tree. Corlin Sun's a big guy, big go up and get grab the ball whenever guy, and then KJ Hamler is a smaller slot receiver with explosive speed. The only thing I didn't I didn't like the Broncos not getting an offensive tackle because Drew Locke, all the quarterbacks were running for their lives last year. And I mean I just remember watching Joe Flacco just fall down after a three step drop because people were rushing from all the sides. So that's the only reason I didn't like the Broncos draft after round two that much. But I do like their weapons they got. Um, for number two, I had Dallas. And <laughs> obviously, I don't understand how C.D. Lamb fell to 17. But they got C.D. Lamb at 17. Right. And everyone's saying he could have been – I thought Jerry Judy was, but a lot of people had C.D. Lamb as number one receiver. And in the class, this stacked, like as we were saying, like to get CD at 17. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And they needed a big time. And this means like Dak looks at CD Lamb and goes, maybe I should not hold out because you have Zeke and CD now. Mari Cooper. Mari Cooper. So one two punch with Mari and CD Lamb, and you have Zeke in the backfield. Good offensive line, as always, Cowboys. Dak is kind of put in a position like, do I want to sit out? Maybe like someone comes in and takes my position. You don't want that to happen. They also picked up uh, Stephon Diggs' little brother, Trayvon Diggs, who I loved at Alabama. Yeah, I was surprised he fell out. Same. I thought he was a first-round talent guy. He falls to the second round. Um, He is a great cornerback. Has size, has speed, good ball skills in the air. Replacement for Byron Jones. Exactly. So you don't have to pay Byron Jones the $84 million or whatever the hell they paid him in Miami. And you get a guy that can take his spot right away. It might be, you know, might get to close to his, you know, production. Yeah, maybe not a number one guy right away, but in the upcoming years. And you don't have to pay him nearly as much. So that's why I had Dallas in number two. Who do you got at uh, number three? So number three, I mean, the first two teams, the Colts and the Broncos, I feel like, you know, they made a lot of good moves, but I don't know if it necessarily makes them a contender. The reason I picked the third pick is I felt like everything they did was to win now, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, who obviously, you know, got Tom Brady, Rob Gonkowski, you know, in the past month, uh, you know, are both, you know, phenomenal players. Brady's obviously old. Gronk, I guess we're going to see what he ends up being, you know, post-retirement. But he's only 30 years old, and I think there's a good chance he's still pretty dominant, uh, personally. Okay. And then, you know, they got who a lot of people think is the best offensive lineman in the draft, which is Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to go fourth. Yeah, no, so... 
you know, I think getting a guy who's going to protect Brady, I think that's important right now because he's obviously not very mobile. Um, and then they picked up Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, who people are saying will probably start at safety for them. So I just think, you know, in a win-now move, I know they didn't have a ton of massive draft picks. Yeah. But obviously, you know, the free agency acquisitions, their whole offseason was phenomenal. I think the couple picks they did make, you know, can do a lot to make sure they win this year. Yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr., for me, was a steal of the draft. His dad played in the league for like eight, nine years. He was an all pro or all like college team his last year at Minnesota. He's not gonna blow you away, but his positioning on the field is always next level. And he has he has seven interceptions last year, which is insane for a safety. He can run all over the field. He has he can pressure the quarterback off uh, blitzes as well. I think that was a great pick. Obviously, um, protecting Tom Brady is number one. My so you think Gronk is a good pickup? Gronk is like 25 pounds, 30 pounds lighter than he was when he retired. He's got to put on muscle. He's going to have all summer to the do that. The thing is, let's not get this confused like it's Jason Witten coming back. Like, Jason Witten was seven or eight years older than Gronk is now oh, when yeah. he came back. So I don't want people to think, you know, it is a guarantee he's going to be that much diminished. The dude's 30 years old, still in good shape, maybe thinner now, but I think it's possible he gets he's, back with the trainers. He puts on muscle. He has a lot of concussions. I think he. I think the over for him... For the games played, might be like eight this year. Here's like my shit. Here's my thing. I think the reason he retired had very little to do with injuries. I think he was just done dealing with Belichick. Belichick yeah, I really was, think so. That probably was the case. I think you know now he's back with Brady. Got a shot to do it one more time or a couple more times. Yeah. I think there's a chance he's very good again, and he doesn't need to be the old Gronk. But could he still be a top five tight end? I mean, I he think needs so. to be like. 70% of what Gronk was. because And he's a top five tight end then. Especially because Brady didn't have the weapons that he does now in uh, Tampa Bay with Godwin Mike and Mike Evans. Yeah. You just have Gronk. He's your third option guy. Which he just needs to be in a, an okay coming out of the backfield or coming out of tight end spot receiver. He doesn't need to be the Gronk of old. That's going to dominate the game. Um, I like that. Um, I have the Ravens at number three. Everyone's saying that they probably had the best draft, like all like the talking heads. Um, they got rid of. They needed a linebacker. They got Patrick Queen from LSU. Um, not the biggest guy, but probably for linebackers in the draft, he has the best sideline sideline speed. Yeah. Got like Bobby Wagner or something. Yeah, not very tall. Not guy, very tall, but, but fast like as hell. fast. And he's great in coverage and can obviously read the game really well, which you need as your middle linebacker. Um, and then the, the second round pick of J.K. Dobbins. Mark Ingram's thirty years old. Um, we were talking about this earlier on the pod. You need kind of two running back sets, especially how much they love to run the ball up in there in Baltimore, just kind of control the game. J.K. Dobbins is an explosive running back from Ohio State. He is. Had no, great, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, he was great last year. So I really like that. Um, and yeah, Mark Ingram's 30 years old. How long? Like, unless you're uh, Frank Gore, 30 years old, you're like pretty much past your prime as a running back in the NFL. So maybe you can just take up that spe- uh, spot. I thought he was a top two running back um, with Taylor out of Wisconsin. Not the kid from LSU, even though he went earlier in the draft. Um, but that probably is our those are top. Yeah, three I mean, winners. all great, you know, off seasons drafts for all those teams. Yeah. So now we're going to go into the team we think are losers. Um, one of them we have similar, just because what they did is pretty mind boggling, which <laughs> is you know what this the Green is, Bay Packers. We can did. both talk about this one. Yeah, no, the Green so, Bay Packers, man. If you're Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and you haven't had a wide receiver besides Devontae Adams, but like. Really, not really an elite elite wide receiver, and this wide receiver class is so stacked. And you're at home watching the draft, and apparently he wasn't even told they were going to do this. 
And you get Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, personally, I really like Jordan Love. You know, I've been in a lot of arguments with a lot of people about whether Jordan Love can be good. And I think he has potential to be. But I think, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, since he has been there, they have never used a first-round pick on a single-skill position player. Yeah. Like, um, I don't get it. And, you know, the final, t- the first time they finally do take an offensive person, it's his, you know, replacement. Uh, and, you know... Rodgers, I think, you know, he's always kind of been in a bad mood about the things with he's Blake. He's kind of an asshole, but, like, everyone knows that. But now he's got a reason to be, because it's like... This is the second coach now that's trying to fuck him over. And I don't get, like, Matt LaFleur is, like, supposed to have this... He was supposed to be the guy to have a good camaraderie. Last year didn't really work out, and then this they year... They went to an NFC championship game, They did, game, but though. there was, like, a lot of rumors about mm-hmm. him and Matt LaFleur not getting along. And then they select Jordan Love, who I... You like Jordan Love? I am not a huge fan. He has uh, he all had, the tools, but at Utah State, your completion percentage, I think it was like 61% is last year. He had a year. bad last season. Yeah. Uh, he's also working with the Utah State group of wide receivers, and I've watched those plays, and a lot of those picks are balls that I think NFL receivers can make a play on. But he's also He Utah also State. had a phenomenal junior year. Yeah. Uh, you know, unbelievable junior year, and I think he's more of a project of something you can mold him into because the guy's got some speed, has a killer arm. I think it's possible – that with a few years behind Rodgers, he could be his replacement. This kind of reminds you of Brett Favre of Rodgers. It's exactly the same. Rodgers I mean, they're love. the exact same They're age. not going to like each other at all. <laughs> Love's just going to take over in like three years. Because Favre was about the same age. Favre was also a, right, was a couple-time MVP. Was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But you could see the wheels kind of falling off. Not that I can see the wheels like as much as with Rodgers. But I'm just, I'm just kind of shocked at that. And then the second, their other pick, their second-round pick... They get a running back. Yeah. And last year they had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and they got another bruiser as a run running back. So I don't understand that at all. And T. Higgins was still on the board. Like I, I think the reason they could have done that, so they took three offensive linemen in this draft. Which they needed. A.J. Dillon. I think there's a chance that LaFour is looking to go more towards like a running style So in, a, in an I era think, of uh, Huck and Chuck football. I mean, there's teams who can do it. Look at the Ravens. I mean, there's teams who can be moderately successful for sure. Maybe even make a Super Bowl run with running, you know. And then Aaron Rodgers obviously a stud still. But I I think there's a chance they're moving towards that maybe a little bit. That's the only reason I could see. I do, but the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. He's such Mm -hmm. a threat running. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is is not like that. Yeah. But he can run, but not like Lamar Jackson. Let's not get it twisted. So I I didn't like that at all. Um, The second loser we had. I, well, I have it different than you. What do you have as your list? Uh, so I went with the New England Patriots. Yeah. And the reason for this, you know, I think people are kind of afraid to say it, but Belichick has never been very good in the draft. Not recently. Not in, like, yeah. the last seven, eight years. Yeah, no. And, you know, they have zero playmakers now. I mean, Brady's gone. Who do they have? I mean, they even lost uh, Dorsett. Are they tanking for Lawrence next year? I don't know. That maybe is the only explanation because they already had one of the slowest offenses in the NFL last year, mm-hmm. like by a lot, mm-hmm. and they did not draft a single playmaker. And my biggest issue, I think, is the fact they didn't go get a quarterback. They passed on Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm. I don't like And I don't Hertz. think you can be sure, though, that Stidham's the guy of the future. He's not the guy. Like, I am convinced he's not the guy, and I really think that he wants to get a quarterback next year. And he's hoping, because right now they're saying, oh, Jared Sidham for sure is our number one guy, basically. 
There's no way he can win you anything. I mean, we could look dumb if in the next couple weeks they get Dalton or Cam Newton or something. Yeah, or like I was thinking, but I don't like, think that's gonna happen. I was thinking it might have been Jameis Winston on like a one year. Yeah, the like, Saints sign him. And the Saints sign, and then you have Cam Newton still out there. I don't. I don't know. I'm not totally. I don't know. Maybe, did you see the picture of the dog in the chair at Belichick's house? Maybe so. Yeah, he was like in the like they go to like the draft room for the Patriots, and Belichick's like Huskies on the chair, and he's nowhere to be found. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but my loser is the Raiders. So the Raiders do what the Raiders do. It like It's like Al Davis rose from the dead. And this like singing hiring is a disaster. He's like, go vertical. Like, you have C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy still on the board. And Justin Jefferson, who I like more than their pick at number 12 at Henry Ruggs. Now, I know Henry Ruggs is a speedster. But Jerry Judy had over, like, 300 more completions than he did last year. He was the number three receiver on Alabama last year. Like, it's not even he was, like, the big time. No, and the Raiders, I mean, they're trying to go fast, I guess. I mean, they got a guy like Waller, who's probably the fastest tight end in football. Yeah, but, like, uh, is Ruggs going to be a game changer? No, like, I mean, I don't. I didn't see any mock drafts that have Ruggs going to get before Judy. Oh, no, and everyone was like, no. and when Judy and CeeDee Lamb are still on the board, you're thinking, like, Ruggs? I was freaking out because I thought we were going to get Ruggs at 15, and I really wanted Judy. Yeah. And when we got Judy, I was pumped, but... And then their second pick was the, or the second pick in the first round was Damon Arnett from Ohio State, the cornerback. He was like on most big boards, like a late second round, early third round guy. My thing is, if you really want this, why don't you trade that pick away and get assets in the second and third round when you know you can get him in the second round instead of pick him at nineteen? This guy was like last year that it was with Colin Farrell at uh, from Clemson. Mm-hmm. They picked him number four. And everyone had him late in the first round, early second round. I just don't understand their thinking. I know Mike Mayock is their GM. He hasn't had a lot of experience. He was on the uh, NFL Network. But I just don't understand, like, why you wouldn't just trade the 19th pick away when a lot of teams would have easily traded up and given you a a third-round or a second-round pick for that. And then you still have more assets later in the draft, and you can still get your guy. I just never got that. So that's that's why I had the Raiders. No, I mean, I think people are starting to realize this John Gruden massive contract he got is a disaster. $10 million a year. I mean, it's not a disaster It's a disaster. Yet. We'll I mean, see what they do in Vegas this Get year. rid of, you know, who who they lose. They lost Khalil Mack. And they, that all their draft picks were, like, in this draft. Yeah. And, that's, and they got and these they guys in them. Yeah. And they blew it. That's what I'm saying. Trade back. No. Maybe you get a pick next year. They're still with Derek Carr, like, yeah, Josh yeah. Jacobs isn't that great. I mean, no, he's, no, a he's, sol- good. he's he's a good. solid running back, but let's I I don't think he's I think a he's guy a, you can build. I think a team in a couple of years, and then you can't build a team around around any running back. Running back. Yeah, but yeah. Like, but I think in the next couple of years he could be a top five running back. And then you know, losing Antonio Brown, I think like a you know people had an idea that this Raiders team last year might have done something. Well, they that needed a terribly. wide receiver, and they got a guy that I don't think he was a top three guy in the in the draft, at, and you had the highest wide receiver pick basically. So. That's why I had the Raiders. I also had, like, a semi-loser. Um, I was the Detroit Lions. Not – I didn't hate their draft. They had the number three pick, and people were trying, like, their hardest to trade with the uh, Lions. And they have so many areas of need. They could have traded that pick and got back and got more value for later picks. And they got Jeff Akuda, who was the number one cornerback. But is a cornerback going to change your no, franchise? I don't think so. It's such a boring pick. And if you really want to keep that pick, why don't you draft Tua? No, that's what I'm saying. That, like, if you like, were, are Matt you Stafford yeah. is old and he's brittle also, and he's falling apart. He's not playing all these games, and you could draft Tua, and he can stay two years behind Stafford, and maybe he becomes the next big thing. But like, getting the Kuda is not going to change your roster. 
or your like team next year to winning football. And then they lose Darius Slate. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's kind of a replacement. It's a kind of a replacement, but like I just don't. I never like cornerbacks. Like defense no, tackles, like will a change. top five pick on yeah. a cornerback. Defense tackles will change your franchise. Ends could change your franchise. Uh, yeah. yeah, offensive lines, defensive ends, quarterbacks. Those are like the guys I really like in your top five picks, and they just I don't know. I didn't see it. So that's basically what we had for winners and losers. Now to the juiciest part of the pod, the last dance part three and four. Really good episodes last. No, week. I thought they were too. I like mean, I thought they were better than one and two. They, yeah, no, I think you could say that. I feel like there wasn't a ton of new information. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's easily the best thing on television right oh, now. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad called me this morning like, dude, I talked this to my dad time during too. the NBA was unbelievable. This is the best thing on television. Yeah. Well, it's also because everyone's like, oh, this Dennis Rodman information. They've had the 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. Yeah, no, we've, we've seen, seen all of this. And if you hadn't seen it... Highly recommend. Yeah, go watch it it. while you're waiting for the fifth and sixth. Yo, it's really good. But I do have a a couple topics to talk about um, for this, the last dance. You saw a lot of Jordan talking about on Rodman and Pippen. Do you think Jordan, low key, respects Pippen or Rodman a little more than Pippen? Uh, you know, I kind of get that vibe. I mean, I think one. Pippen throughout his career, it kind of became a theme that he was a little bit of a crybaby. He was soft a little he bit. He always had something going on. I mean, it was the migraine game. It's like, take some Advil. If he was throwing up on the side of the bench, yeah. it'd be one thing. But I think Jordan, I mean, that and then him sitting out that season, you know, the 97-98 season. Yeah. I think Jordan's like, man, this dude... I don't you know. You had time to renegotiate. And Rodman is a completely different breed who instead would go club the night before, come to practice, work his ass off, and that play was hard crazy. all the time. The Indian drill? When Michael's like, everyone goes slow, we need Dennis to get back in shape. And he just takes off after... And they're all chasing Chasing him after a weekend of doing, like, drugs and drinking and, <laughs> like, with Carmen Electra. No, I mean, that's a different breed. Yeah, I, I mean, he's a weird guy, though. And, but the way that, that Jordan kind of speaks with on Pippen, especially in the documentary... When they're, he's talking to him, and they're like, oh, Scotty said this. And he, he goes, oh, Scotty's one of the best players I've ever played with. But he always throws a little dig on Scotty Pippen. Every now and then, he'll just throw like a little slight, like, he goes, a migraine? Really? <laughs> like, I think you'd have to cut off Jordan's head. No, exactly. Like, to not get him play. He played with the, the flu game. The flu game. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. I think most people who've had both. I mean, a flu, uh, maybe not. I don't know. A, a bad I, I've never had a migraine bad. like that. I've had headaches, and you just pop a few aspirin, and you're fine. But uh, the flus, I've had flus where you just can't get out of bed. Like, you're yeah, going no. to the bathroom every 10 minutes, and it's brutal. And I just think that over, I think we'll start to see it over the, the documentary but he throws a little bit of shade here and there towards Pippen and I, I love it because I, I can't get enough because that's what I want to watch this documentary for guys like us that have know all about the Bulls in the 90s and have like read all these like articles and seen all the videos and everything we know, we get, know what happens but we don't know what Michael Jordan's takes because he's never yeah, getting interviewed about exactly, it exactly right so that's I think and I also want <laughs> the fact that he goes to Rodman's room in Vegas and Knox, that just shows no, like no, volumes. No. That that's so they kind of misrepresented that, I guess. So when Rodman goes to Vegas for forty eight hours, yeah. they said we got to make sure he's back, right? Yeah. Which I thought it was interesting that Phil actually asked Michael if you that was okay. Michael. And I think you know a big part of Rodman's relationship with Jordan and why he might respect him more than Pippen was I think Jordan was kind of the coach that Rodman never had. I think yeah. Phil Jackson allowed Rodman to be himself. 
but Jordan was able to like bring him back to center. But anyway, so Rodman goes to Vegas for 48 hours, came back to Chicago. Yeah. He came back in time. Jordan and Phil or whoever went went to his apartment. He had like three apartments in Chicago. Yeah. Went to all three, found him in one, Obviously like asleep in bed. Obviously, the, the party. The party yeah, condo. The, the, the party condo. Yeah, but we're just call He condo. did make it back in time. I feel like they didn't really do a good job saying that, but watching like first take and undisputed, they made that clear. They made that morning. clear. But, so I, I thought it was interesting. I also think that Michael, when he was going up against Rodman and the, against the Pistons, he knew how good Dennis Rodman was, how much he killed the Bulls when he was on the Bad Boys, and he knew the value of him on that team. No one's getting rebounds like Rodman. I mean, even when he talked about Rodman – about how he was the smartest player he ever played with. Right. And then you see Rodman, like, who can barely even speak now, who has so much shit in his, fried his brain. He's talking about just going at 3 a.m. and his boys are shooting shots, and he's like, oh, yeah, I got a rebound over here, and I got a rebound <laughs> over here. And I knew when Larry was shooting. I just think that was, like, super interesting about how much he respected Rodman because we always think back how Rodman was such a loose cannon. But... In all reality, he was, but he was so important. To and I team. think I think he was way worse when he's with Detroit and San Antonio, and then he gets to that Bulls team, which I think they realize, look, we've got three major figureheads of basketball here yeah. in Phil, Mike, and Scotty. Yeah. If anybody can bring this guy back to earth and maximize his production, it's us. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they never lost again once they had him. So this is so, another topic I had. If Robin had been traded to anyone else that wasn't a Phil Jackson coach team, would he have been out of the league by 96? Mm. I mean, I would say no, but I mean, on the last podcast when we were talking about the first two, I mean, I've said, I think Rodman, you know, was a really good player in a role, but was never going to be the best player on a team. But I think there's a chance based on his own mental, yeah. he might have just quit. That's what I'm saying. I don't he might have just be... gone off and been like, F this, I don't want to play in the NBA yeah. anymore. I really don't have, like, because he was saying I needed motivation to play every night. Yeah. A lot of guys don't need that motive. Like, Michael obviously didn't need that motivation. But Phil Jackson knew how to kind of work his mind and give him the time he needed off. And Phil Jackson, like, they showed all that previous stuff. He was in Puerto Rico getting in fights. Yeah, like, I mean, they were, like, he was shooting cra- refs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he was that. crazy. And he was also, like, he had the book called Maverick. And he lived in, like, a ranch in South Dakota or North Dakota, wherever he was from. And he was kind of the same player wiry defensive player like that knew what Rodman was going through and you know I think Rodman really looked up to that and that's why he played so hard for him but I I think we both agree the best part of that entire like episode or the two episodes <laughs> was the Bulls team talking about how much they hated the bad boys team yeah no completely by I mean, far the best part you hear you know isaiah thomas sounding like an idiot talking about oh. nobody walked off or he's like everybody walked off the court after the game and then mj's like no check every tape yeah after we lost to them and you see michael out there shaking hands with everybody in the water boy like yeah. trying to show sportsmanship yeah it's a certain de- like yeah. uh, decor or like etiquette you that have everybody in sports, in sports has uh and it's a it's such a it's so messed up that they are like the most hard ass team. They're hacking guys. They're they have the Jordan rules. They're playing the dirtiest basketball of anyone. Well, I mean, guys would be seen. suspended for stuff. Oh like yeah, that for now. sure. Yeah, and they can they don't have the decency after you lose to go shake their hand after no. you were that much of an asshole for four years straight to them. I just think and I Isaiah Thomas might be. People forget sexual harassment. Isaiah Thomas, the Knicks have still not recovered from his like. Uh, turn as a GM in the, the mid to early 2000s they still have not like 
been the no, worst they'll franchise. They'll probably never recover. They'll probably never recover. <laughs> he, like, I, people like, think he was amazing guy. And I think a lot not, of people hate him, though. Oh, a lot of people. Like, lot, I hate him. Yeah, no, like, I, I don't like him. Yeah. I don't like him. And I think anybody that, who was a big fan of basketball in the 90s, unless you're a Pistons fan, probably hates him. Yeah. I think it's on that level. Jazz fans hate him for no real reason. Celtics, I mean, we, fan, like Larry yeah, Bird Celtics fans definitely him. hate him. You know he said that if Larry Bird was black, that Larry Bird would just be another guy in the NBA? Yeah, no, I mean, who, just ignorant. Who things like that, dude? When Magic, Magic Johnson probably the only guy that doesn't hate him. And the fact that he was hated so much, he was probably a top three point guard in the league when the 92 Dream Team was going on. For sure. And the U.S. Olympic, uh, I forget his name, but the guy that was running the team, USA Basketball, asked Michael Jordan, like, do you want Isaiah Thomas to be on the team? He just flat out said no. He goes, I don't want to play with that asshole. Yeah, no, I mean, then you hear Horace Grant talking oh about him. Oh, my God. Man. Those guys are bitches. When <laughs> Horace Grant said that, I almost rolled off the couch laughing. Because <laughs> this is a great thing about this documentary. How many times have you heard Horace Grant get interviewed now about the Bulls in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. Like, never. Never. DJ Armstrong's no. the same way. Like, these guys, like, uh, that Purdue guy that I've never heard speak Will once. Purdue. Will yeah. Purdue. Never heard him speak once. <laughs> and he's like, I hated the bad boys. And that guy looked like he could be a car salesman. <laughs> and he's like, I hated those guys so much. It was awesome. It was just so good. Like, Isaiah Thomas sucks. Bill Lambeer is probably one of the dirtiest players. I, my question to you is, are they the most hated team in the history of the NBA? You know, I think for some people, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to, like, come at them too bad because I do think there's something to be said about, like, making your fouls count. Like, I think in that time... Yeah, that's fine. It's like they were the team who are willing to push the boundary. They're not calling anything but a flagrant. Sometimes they're not even calling that. They should have called but, three or four. You know, I don't. I don't court. like them. I think they probably are the most hated. Besides, maybe I think even the recent Warriors teams are pretty hated just because of the level of bandwagon fans. Yeah, like the Warriors. So I had a couple teams you could think of: the Heat when they all came together mm-hmm. in the early two thousand tens, the Warriors for sure, and maybe the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers in the early two thousands. But all those teams played basketball the right way. They weren't yeah, like they the were just, not. Yeah, they were just more talented than the other teams. Like the Warriors, unbelievable talent. The Heat, I think everyone hated them because they were so arrogant when they got together. Like everyone has that clip. We're not gonna win one, we're not gonna win two. He goes up like seven championships yeah, when LeBron yeah. says that, and they lose to the Mavs. Yeah. And everyone kinda got sympathetic towards it. And after that he kinda tightened his like rhetoric a little bit about how they were gonna go forward. I just that bad boys team just how they play like really and Mahorn is might be the dirtiest player of all time the guy was giving forearm shivers to everyone that came down the lane when Larry Bird hates you Jordan, Jordan hates, hates you. you Magic doesn't like you he won't say anything because Magic yeah, no. is I mean Magic. I don't think any of them really liked him you know um, when you're not asked on the best basketball team of all time and you're one of the best basketball players of that time it's tough to like get around that for Isaiah Thomas at least um so basically, yeah, my fourth topic was Isaiah Thomas sucks. And I think we just touched on that. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, you know, I was watching, you know, people talk about these episodes this morning. And a big topic that was being covered was, you know, the whole thing with John Paxson. When the triangle offense, did, you know, switch, they switched the triangle offense. And Phil says, you know, Michael, you got to give the ball to Paxson. And everyone's comparing that to LeBron trying to make the right play. Yeah. My, my comment on it. I think the triangle is a bunch of, I don't know. I just, I'm not really sold that was all that relevant on it because I do think when it came down to the wire, 
MJ was going to take every shot that mattered. You look at the shot in Game 6 against the Jazz. Pippen's wide open in the corner. Yeah. And Michael's like, I'm taking this shot. I think, like, over the course of a game, it probably helped to get other guys involved more, but... Well, that's my thing about it. Because before Phil Jackson became the power, or became the head coach, basically, Doug Collins, his offense ran through Michael Jordan. It wasn't a team effort offense and when you're going through a course of a season that puts a lot of load on one guy and not that he like flamed out during the playoffs but when the playoffs came around he was getting like double team triple team especially against the Pistons and he had nowhere to go and the other guys weren't in the right mindset like oh I could take this shot right now they were always looking for Michael when the triangle offense came in nowadays obviously it's way passe but during that time it was state-of-the-art offense getting everyone involved also made Scottie Pippen an all-star into the player he is. And it made other guys realize, like, it's not just a one-man sport. Give everyone else the ball. The, the thing is, though, dude, that game, you know, with Paxson shots, Paxson had 20 points. Jordan had 31. Oh, no, he's And still the fact that we really need to cover the fact that one of his teammates had 20 points, yeah. I think that is ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, in game six when they beat the Jazz, uh, you know, Pippen had eight points. Like, in Jordan scores 45. Like, I think people are trying to diminish just the massive amount of carrying that Michael really did with those teams. Because yeah. you got to mention that your starting point guard had 20 points. Like, nobody would mention that now. Yeah. Also, you know? when they beat the Blazers in, like, I think it was 92-93 season. Or 92 season. <laughs> he averaged 41 a game in the finals. Exactly. Like, like that's, that's pretty absurd. But I just, during the course, I think it didn't really help as much in the playoffs. Heard in the course of the season. It probably helped him win it, more games. It helped win more and games, give him like not as much of a burden and on keep his him back. healthier, yeah. you know, for the Like, he's not going to go out and drop 50 for you guys to win every night. He could drop 31, and Scotty could drop 25. Paxson can get 16. There's different guys on the team. Bill Carwright can get eight. Like, you know, to get every people involved just so he doesn't have such a burden on him. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I can't wait till next week. I'm hoping... We kind of touched on this at the end of episode four when he's on the, the private plane going to Salt Lake and he's talking about his gambling. They're like doing the cards. Yeah. I'm really hoping they get into this. I won't talk about it this week, but I know some information about like later on in his career, especially when he takes like that hiatus, that his gambling might have been the issue, not actual like going to play baseball. Yeah. So I'm hoping they touch on that. Um, but also, Jordan's like kind of a, a dick. In what, what what part are you talking? About? <laughs> on the plane, he, oh, goes, he says, "Tell mom and like, dad you're Yeah, where were you last night, man? You're an alcoholic. He's like, "M, my mom and dad are gonna watch this." He goes, "No, no, no. Where were you last night, M? Don't say it. This man's an alcoholic." <laughs> and he just walks away. I thought it was funny. We all thought it was funny, <laughs> but if you're a player in the NBA, you can't be saying that stuff about yeah, guys. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think it's—I mean—it's the best thing on TV. If any of you guys haven't seen it, oh, go watch go it. pound out the four episodes. On, the next four hours after you hear this podcast, yeah, because on it's the ESPN app, they're like you can re-air. And the best thing about it, I think, is that it's in TV MA, so they just like they drop f bombs. They say yeah, things no, like around the they don't bleep it out at all, which I think it makes it makes it more real of a show. Because I wouldn't want to be sitting there listening to guys like beep beep. So I love it. Butter obviously loves it. Yeah, um, we're, we're gonna retouch. We'll do next podcast probably next Monday because there's not much going on this week. Obviously, with Corona still going on, 
But I appreciate y'all listening. Any other thoughts for the listeners? Nope, that's it. I mean, I know we've had a lot of new listeners uh, that have reached out to me and loved the past few episodes. Yeah. So just, you know, keep reaching out. If keep you have any ideas, you want to hear fun topics, stuff Follow like that. Follow the podcast on uh, Spotify, subscribe on Apple. Stay safe out there with Corona. I'm, I'm thinking this is, we're at, we're past the high point of it. I'm hoping we're kind of coming down so life can go back to normal. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Stay safe and we'll catch y'all next week. Thank you.